Hi friends, before we jump into today's episode, I want to thank you for choosing to listen to the surprising rebirth of Belief in God. We'll soon be celebrating 500,000 downloads since launch and winning a Zenga prize for podcast journalism. If you're enjoying the series and you'd like to help me reach even more people with thinking faith, can I encourage you to support this podcast? Becoming a silver supporter means you get early access to episodes and bonus content, Gold supporters also get signed books and a monthly catch-up with me on Zoom, if you'd like it. The links to support are with the show notes or visit justinbriley.com. Enjoy today's episode. So I was, I was a little bit like, is it true? Like nothing, like nothing. In terms of the experience, I think probably, but in terms of arguments, like the arguments I consider them more tenable now than I did before and I think that they are uh, that there are more of them that are essentially you know successful uh, at, at moving the dial uh, and so in, in the intellectual space yeah I think I, I take religion or, or like theism I should say much more seriously than I did before Hello and welcome back to the surprising rebirth of Belief in God with me, Justin Briley. Today is a break from the usual documentary format to bring you a bonus episode, my full interview with Alex O'Connor, formerly known as Cosmic Skeptic. I'll be bringing you these kinds of fuller conversations every few weeks as we transition between acts in this documentary series. Call it a palate cleanser or something between courses. Our first act was the first three episodes on the rise and fall of new atheism, and next week we begin Act 2, The New Conversation on God, when we'll be back to the docu-series format. So today I'm speaking to Alex O'Connor, a well-known atheist YouTuber and host of the Within Reason podcast. I actually came to know Alex back when he was still a teenager studying for his A-levels after he created a response video to one of my arguments for God. Well, we've since developed a friendship and I've watched his influence go from strength to strength. He's gone on to build a YouTube channel with over 600,000 subscribers and over 80 million views. But what I've most appreciated about Alex is his openness to changing his mind. That's not a quality you always find in the world of YouTube debates. He thinks deeply about ethics, having been a strong supporter of veganism until moving away from that position earlier this year for health reasons. And while some people take exception to his line of questioning, you can find a recent viral video of Peter Hitchens walking out on Alex during a discussion on drugs. I personally find Alex's approach refreshing and honest. I've seen him genuinely wrestle with the arguments for God and surround himself with Christian friends and thinkers rather than live in a sceptical bubble. In this interview, he talks about why he has changed his approach to the God question in recent years while still remaining unconvinced that God exists. I hope you enjoy this bonus interview with Alex O'Connor. Alex O'Connor, thank you for joining me. Justin Briley, it's a pleasure. Are you still going online as Cosmic Skeptic or has that kind of gone away now? No, I got rid of it. Um, well, I, I kept the username just because it, it seemed like a good sort of transition. And also I didn't want to give up the username and then somebody else just randomly takes it. Pretend and, to be and, you. And, you know, yeah. they have all my links or something. Because that's <laughs> one of the, the practical concerns. But I was getting a bit sick and tired of having to introduce myself with what sounds like an Xbox gamer tag. <laughs> 
it, it was just quite unprofessional. You know, I, I would sort of meet somebody and, and I'd tell them what I do and they'd be like, oh, cool, like, how do I find you? And I'd sort of have to murmur, it's, it's cosmic. It always came with like a preface. Are you like, saying I made it you, when got, I was a you kept, became a little bit embarrassed by the title? I mean, what, what, I mean, <laughs> yes, I did, yeah. but, but not, not because, you know, uh, not because I'm embarrassed of being a skeptic but, or a cosmic one or indeed a cosmic one. Um, although that is, there's a bit of hubris in, in the cosmic proportions <laughs> of my skepticism. I just thought it was, you know, a cool yeah. set of words when I made them, but it, yeah. it, it does sound a bit, well, it's childish, you know, it's, it's, okay. it's infantile and it was time to move on. So now I just go by my name. Um, and I was launching a new podcast at the time or kind of rebranding my old one to within reason uh and so since i was already kind of doing a new brand thing i thought you know now's the time so yeah. just did it in a pub one day it, i love I've, I've been following your content to sort of from early years really um and in a way the, the move away from that name for me was part of a wider journey that i felt you've been on um could you describe for me sort of what your tone what kind of arguments you were making, what the purpose of your videos were when you started, I think it just in your sort of mid-teens, really. Yeah, I, I was kind of, in, in many ways, I was just trying to have fun on YouTube as, as a teenager. I used to make videos about skateboarding, about, I used to make guitar tutorials. And then one time I made a response video to a Jehovah's Witness cartoon made by The Watchtower. And um, it, it sort of, I posted it on Reddit and it got some popularity. And I was just kind of having fun i mean i did sort of also think this was like a deeply homophobic video but you know watching that video now it's 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 always embarrassing to look at old material but you know i'm, I'm like swearing throughout it i'm not really making like the best points mm. in the world it, it's more just a, a a sort of a vibe i'm just trying to sort yeah. of jibe back mm -hmm. um but it went well and people liked it so i made more videos like that and started talking about philosophy of religion broadly but it was in the context of this sort of edgy atheist thing mm. and so the purpose was much less serious than than the the work that i tried to do now now i i consider myself as part of that group of people that like to you know have they always say things like oh we have important conversations <laughs> or you know we have meaningful discussions and, and and yeah it's it's great to try to contribute to that kind of sphere but there's no way i was doing that back when i was sort of 16 or 17. Yeah. I, I mean you grew very fast um, it feels like you went from nothing to kind of suddenly hundreds of thousands of subscribers on YouTube. Something from nothing, as it were. Well, indeed. Um, but but these were the videos were were quite sort of um, making quite sort of big claims. They they were sort of taking down big arguments in Christian theology and philosophy. Um, what's your reflection on kind of how well you did that at, at the time? <laughs> um. I think I, 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 I did well in the sense that, well, that the videos performed well. People seemed to like them. People seemed to get on with them. But uh, the, the argumentative quality, of course, I'm, I'm going to look back now and think is not very good. Um, I, was, I was so young. I mean, I'm still young. I still don't know what I'm talking about. Um, nor does anybody when it comes to these, these big subjects. We can only ever try our best. But I do look back in particular at some of the videos that I made that were a little bit more serious. Mm. In particular, I think of the ontological argument video that I made. I made a video about, uh, it was responding to William Lane Craig's little cartoon on the modal ontological argument. And it's so clear listening back now that I just didn't understand the argument. Mm -hmm. And uh, fair enough, I guess I didn't at the time. That, that may have been the first time I'd encountered that version of the argument, not really realizing that it was his own version. But the way I'm talking about it, having now spent more hours than 
anybody should ever have to talking about the ontological <laughs> argument and, and not just publicly but privately too you know and I, I look back and I think this is really bad this is I'd, I'd take it down if it weren't for the fact that I kind of want to show this progression a little bit I was going to do a response video to it actually debunking myself responding to yourself yeah. already got a bit of a problem at the moment with a reputation for going a bit soft on belief in God I mean we just <laughs> recorded a podcast uh, for, for my show and, and you reference the fact that many people seem to think I'm going to be converting to Christianity because I, I'm so I'm so nice to the people that I talk to so I think a video debunking my old atheist video it might, 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 might yeah, be much cement in that, that view too but much. In yeah. that video in particular, I, I can look at it and just say, I just yeah. essentially didn't know that's, what I was talking that, about. That's, uh, for me, that's, you are just someone who's, you know, uh, growing in understanding. Uh, I mean, which, who of us sort of believes exactly the same things we believe when we were 16 or 17 as, as a 20 or 30 something quite, yeah. year old? So it, that's no surprise, but I'm glad you've got the intellectual humility which isn't always evident, sadly, in some YouTube spaces to kind of say, hey, got that one wrong. Actually, my thinking's developed a bit. Yeah, I remember us talking about this. Uh, we did a show with Bishop Barron a few years mm. ago, and I remember, I think you said something like that then. You said, you know, th th something about intellectual humility and my ability to change my mind. And I remember saying on that show, like, how, how low is the bar mm. for so-called intellectual humility? If me saying, you know, the thing I said when I was a teenager, I don't think that's actually true. I think, funnily enough, I hadn't, gotten right this sort of quite nuanced mm. analytical philosophical uh, philosophical argument when i was a teenager for somebody to say wow that's you know how how wonderful i think it's a display of how how bad the the state of things is to what extent when you were in that phase were you taking your cues from the new atheists i know that you have always been a fan of of christopher hitchens for mm. instance. of course yeah i mean uh, stylistically massively you know like like the 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 entire um, system of of cutting away at beliefs, responding, identifying fallacious ways of thinking, this kind of thing is hugely influenced by that culture of new atheism. The actual beliefs themselves, or the, the arguments, surely when it came to talking about creationism and evolution, if I made a video about that, then a lot of what I knew would have come from the likes of Richard Dawkins, also people like Jerry Coyne, mm. um, the content would have would have mattered there but talking about the ontological argument for example i i can't really remember a time that the new atheists have have talked about it outside of like dawkins in the god delusion and mm. he makes a pretty botched job of it i think um doesn't really take it very seriously yeah. you know so so the actual content itself i think was mm. well never original because everybody learned something from somewhere the ideas always have a, a, a genesis somewhere but uh i, I think it was a, a sort of a mixed a mixed bag but the, yeah. the main influence of the new atheist was probably in what it was that i was doing and the style in which i was doing it rather than the actual beliefs themselves what why have you in a sense then changed your style from from those early years in part because uh there's a there's a there's a re i mean the looking back at that ontological argument video the thing that strikes me is that i listen to it and i think my goodness this is this is poor but then i look at the comments and they say how wonderful the video is and, and how much they learned from it. Uh, I saw one person commented that this was really useful for them because they had their A-level exams coming up in philosophy of religion. And I thought, oh my goodness, I've made this person fail. <laughs> you know, like this is, I, I think to myself, it would have been so easy for me at the time, which is certainly what I did, to look at this material, look at what people are saying and say, yeah, cool, I'm great at this. This mm -hmm. is fantastic. And so you sort of become consumed with arrogance and pride. And so realizing that you're that you're wrong about a lot of these things and realizing how confident you were not just 
due to general confidence, but due to the fact that you were having people telling you all the time, mm. you know, oh, this is great material. Mm. And now realizing how wrong that was makes me very careful now. Like, I, I wouldn't want to, to, to put forth that style of argumentation that says, well, this is why I'm right. I know that I'm right. And, mm. you know, people who disagree with me are... Uh, yeah. are wrong and silly and this kind of thing which is not quite what i was saying but there's a sort of attitude yes, about it right yes. which i try to move away from there's a certain sort of rhetoric that goes with that that approach yeah. which I, it feels like that softened in in the way that you bring things but it's across. unhelpful to have conversations generally yeah it, it's 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 great for sort of making a, a bit of content or something or, you know in a debate having that moment you can clip that kind of thing but you know i've been the victim of that myself many times you know people People are always clipping things that I'm doing and, and, and doing the same thing. And I just realize it's a bit of a sort of ugly space. But also there is just a, a self-preservation motivation. If that's not enough for you, in other words, think to yourself, like, if you get proven wrong on this, the way that you presented the argument is, is going to have a huge effect on how you're going to be able to respond to that. Mm, you know? yeah. Because if you put it forward nicely and calmly and genuinely open to discussion, then when you get proven wrong fantastic you know yeah. it's success but yeah. if you've been you, a little bit more forceful yeah, with it you, you, you don't have to double down on something that was kind of shaky to begin with if, yeah. you know just before we jump into the rest of today's show one of the voices you'll hear on this podcast is friend of the show glenn scrivener a brilliant christian communicator glenn has recently put together an online course called 321 it's an introduction to christianity that's imaginative stimulating and assumes no prior knowledge if you've been thinking about exploring faith for yourself or if you want something to share with your friends 321 is just the thing Glenn presents eight video-led sessions which are beautifully shot and animated. I found it a really engaging and practical way of connecting the big ideas in this podcast to our everyday life. I'm already thinking of people I can share it with. See for yourself at 321course.com slash JB. It's completely free. Just start a free account with your email and a password and you're in. There's no spam, no hidden costs. Go to 321course.com slash JB and discover life according to Jesus. Did you know this podcast is also a book? The Surprising Rebirth of Belief in God, Why New Atheism Grew Old and Secular Thinkers Are Considering Christianity Again is available now. Historian Tom Holland says Justin has had a ringside seat watching the great debates on religion and reports on them with learning, subtlety and grace. Now, don't tell anyone, but you'll actually get the first chapter free in your email inbox if you subscribe to my newsletter. Or if you want to just go ahead and order, signed editions are available from my website. Or even better, you'll get both my books personally signed when you become a gold supporter of this podcast. So for the newsletter, the book or to support, check the links in the show notes or visit justinbriley.com. I, I So... What do you make of the movement as a whole, though? Because arguably, I would say possibly that in your early years of your channel and your content, you were sort of riding a bit of the wave of that, that new atheism um, and obviously influenced by some of its uh, architects. But what do you think, where do you think we're at now with that movement as a whole that, that kind of influenced your early material? I think that it's become commonplace for people to say that new atheism is either dead or dying. Uh, it's still quite difficult to define exactly what new atheism is, but mm. I, I think we sort of, we, uh, it's like they say of pornography, you know, it's impossible to define, but you know it when you see it, yes. that kind of thing, you know. We all know what we're talking about with, with new atheism here. And I do think it's true 
that the popularity of it has declined. And I think that's got to do with, or got something to do with the meaning crisis that I know that you uh, reference in your forthcoming book. Um, the idea that uh, it's almost like we didn't have enough time we, we, when you're watching these debates and, and it's about the existence of God and you become compelled to think there's no evidence for God. And just slipped in is this piece about, oh, and a, and a worldview based on science is, is far more awe-inspiring and fulfilling than, than a religious one anyway. And you sort of, yeah, yeah, sounds great, beautiful. But then, you know, people have actually tried to live it. They try to live with the conviction that there is no God, that the heavens are empty, that there is no objective morality, that everybody just gets to decide for themselves, you know, what, what, what they want to do, and find themselves a bit nihilistic. And so even if they can't bring themselves to say that the new atheists were incorrect, they're, they're less enthusiastic about it as a movement. Now, of course, there are people who don't do that. You know, like not everybody who's like an atheist becomes a nihilist and not everybody thinks that you can't have objective morality without God or whatever. But, but I think that this is a, this is a common thought. Um, you know, I, I would receive emails and messages from people who say, oh, I, you know, I saw your video about free will and it convinced me there's no free will, but I'm having a bit of an existential crisis about it. You know, how do you, how do you live like that? Or sometimes people just saying, look, I, I've, I've lost my faith in God, but it was so meaningful to me that, you know, I, I don't know what to do with myself. Um, I think that maybe enough people feeling that way and the people who sort of talk about new atheism being dead often describe an experience like that of their selves that, you know, they've realized that it hasn't put anything worthwhile in its place means that, like I say, doesn't mean they can say the new atheists were wrong or incorrect, but it's not like a, a, a cause they're going to rally yeah, around it's, anymore. It's not, it's not going to give them a, a roadmap for how they should live their life, yeah. just being told God doesn't exist in that sense. I, I guess um, one of the key claims of the new atheism is that religion was not only false, but bad for you, bad for the world. Um, is that something you have held yourself? Is that something you still hold today? Have your thoughts changed on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I've said in the past that saying religion is bad is a bit like saying politics is bad. There's a sense in which that's deeply true. Everybody hates politics. And in a sense, if somebody says the world would be better without politics, you know what they mean. Yes. Like, yeah, okay, fair enough. But like, it's, it, it, it's not to say that there isn't a correct political view. I mean, if... if if there are an, if there's enough variance in religious belief, then even somebody who believes the true religion will have to think that religious belief is responsible for a great deal of evil, because there are so many false doctrines surrounding them. And so to say religion is bad is kind of a it's a bit it's a bit if if it's true then I think it's trivially true because there's so much variance within religious thinking. But but the question of whether like religious thinking mm. this is the criticism that's often made. It's not so much religion but that kind of thinking faith-based thinking you know uh the the willingness to sacrifice evidence in favor of wishful thinking this mm. kind of thing is that is that bad well it's it's probably not going to help you get to truth mm -hmm. um it probably leaves you prone to uh, indoctrination radicalization this kind of thing but will you be happier for taking that approach maybe so it kind of just depends on what your metric is. Indeed, that's probably why people do it. And that's mm. the atheist criticism. They, they say, well, of course, like people are going to be happier doing that. that that's, that's, our, that's our entire point is that that's why they're doing it, not because it's true, but because it makes them happy. But I think, you know, 
some people, especially as they get older, especially as they get closer to death, might think to themselves, well, okay, but what do I want here? Isn't happiness, aren't we often told a lot of the time by atheist moral philosophies like utilitarianism that happiness is actually the goal here? Mm. In which case, why are we doing these debates? Why are we like going around trying to convince people? I had a debate with Sabor Ahmad, uh, a, uh, a, a, a Muslim, um, he's part of like the Dawah scene. Mm. And at one point in the debate, I remember him saying something like, well, if you think that like maximizing pleasure, minimizing suffering is, is the metric for morality, then why are you here? Why are you doing this? Even if you think it's true that there's no God, if studies show that people who believe in God are happier and more fulfilled, then don't you have a, like a moral obligation to shut up? He didn't put it in those words. <laughs> but I, I remember thinking afterwards about that and thinking like, yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting question. Maybe, mm. maybe there is something about the decline of new atheism that's got to do with the fact that even if people still think it's true, they think you know, that it's going to make people less happy somehow and yeah. therefore they don't want to spread it anymore. I feel like a lot of the new atheists have stopped talking about religion by and large. Um, it feels like the conversation's moved on almost. Um, so I suppose first question is why, where did the energy go in that movement? And what, what are some of those people talking about now? Well, there's, there's a certain extent to which you sort of run out of things to talk about. I mean, there's only, only so many times and so many ways that you can say, I don't think that God exists, especially if you're one of these sort of, I lack a belief in God types, then, you know, the poverty of new arguments on your front is, is a result of the poverty of new arguments on the religious front. I mean, we're still talking about the same arguments that were available to Plato, you know, um, there's nothing sort of new here. And so people have a new approach. Mm -hmm. They write a new book, they come up with a new analogy, the celestial dictator, the, the sort of divine North Korea. Cool, that's an interesting way of making the criticism that, that God is something like a, a tyrant. Um, and that is genuinely novel. That's new. That's, that's, mm. that's helping people think about it in a new way. But the underlying arguments are the same. It's just a new way of expressing them. And once you've done that, yeah, you can do your book tour and you can mm. do a bunch of debates, but it starts to just kind of get old, you know? People aren't going to listen anymore because you're saying the same thing over and over again. And so you sort of have to change topic anyway. So I, I wouldn't, it, I think it would be easy to say, ah, look at how all the new atheists have just given up talking about atheism. It's because, you know, they've realized that atheism sucks. No, maybe it's just because they feel like they've sort of job done. Yeah, I, it might be, it might be. I, I, I almost wonder whether to some extent, um, the new atheism was primarily being driven by people who still remembered the cultural inheritance of, you know, having to sing hymns in primary school and, you know, sort of, sort of some, some kind of forms of compulsory religious activity and so on. And, and now that that by and large is going, you know, going away, now that we're living, I think, in an increasingly post-Christian culture than the one they grew up in, it's almost like, there's less for the new new atheists to respond to increasingly as we get more post-Christian. So I don't know if that's the same thing as what you've just described in a way. That, that's that's possibly true as well. Um, although I think it's hard to say how much the decline in religious belief was a result of new atheism. It, it might be that the success of new atheism was a result of the decline of religious belief, mm. if you know what I mean. Like, it's possible that these just correlated. Had this idea that new atheism becomes popular and Richard Dawkins and his crew, like, convince the world to become atheists. It might not be that that's the case. It might be that sort of 
just generally living in a fairly post-Christian culture means that people are becoming less religious. And Dawkins is just somebody who manages to put it into a book and put it into into words what people are already feeling, mm, and that mm. describes the success. And so, I, I'm not really sure. It's it's hard do, to say. Do you think in the you know in the big picture of things now you know in with the new atheism sort of in more in the back mirror people are more willing because of that movement to describe themselves as an atheist has it also taken on potentially pejorative kind of aspect that some people don't want to be associated with with the kind of atheism that that represented i think it's it's it, there's definitely a kind of person who makes atheism like a thing right mm. and, and surely i'm one of those people in the sense that this is like my job it's what yeah. i talk about and so if somebody like at a, at a party asks me what i do what i talk about i find myself suddenly talking about atheism if, even if only briefly it gets a mention it's very rare i think now for somebody to sort of show up to a party and within five minutes being introduced to somebody have mentioned atheism um so i think that if somebody asks, like, what do you think about God? And you say you're an atheist. I don't think there's any, like, pejorative, you know, uh, uh, ascription to that to that word. I, I don't think that there's any implication that they identify with the new atheist movement and that they like Richard Dawkins. They just don't believe in God. But if somebody isn't asked, you know, if somebody makes a, a point of describing themselves as an atheist, if you ask them, oh, what are your interests? Mm. And they say, oh, I'm I'm sort of interested in atheism although i don't think they quite phrase it like that you know what i mean like if they yeah. bring it up themselves yeah. then i think people would look at it and say oh maybe oh there's a richard dawkins fanboy or something yeah. mm. that's not to do with the label that's kind of do to, to do with the the way that somebody's employing yeah. it and, and, and using it so i don't think the label itself has has changed massively due to new atheism yeah in, but in a sense you you tend to use it as a helpful kind of description of the types of things you do and talk about it in that sense i'm sure you don't go around the whole time kind of using yeah. it as a I mean, self-descriptor if, if you meet someone who says yeah i'm really interested in atheism if, if that's what they say to you then then that kind of is just shorthand for saying that you know they're probably part of the new atheist crowd yeah. they probably like watching these kinds of youtube videos they like mm. richard dawkins you know that, that like that's kind probably the kind of thing that they're talking about in a way that if you ask a random person on the street do you believe in god and they say no i'm an atheist it doesn't indicate that at all my feeling is that there were a lot of people who were directly kind of interested in adopting or kind of seeing themselves as part of this new atheist movement. Some of them may have kind of drifted away from it in some way. I think there were a lot of others who were just interested in being around intellectually interesting people, you know, and kind of interesting cultural sort of dynamics going on there. I feel like a, some of that energy of that movement has, in a sense, gone over to other thinkers who aren't particularly concerned with the label of whether they're an atheist or not people like jordan peterson and brett weinstein and uh you know douglas murray tom holland there's a kind of interesting i think fruitful kind of interesting engagement going on in those circles um as people people talk about you know important issues around culture around religion around atheism and so on but i get this i get the sense i'd, I'd just be interested in whether you you feel this as well that um religion is no longer being seen as an enemy it's sort of being seen as a at one level maybe a necessary evil almost by by some people uh, 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 for others a kind of actually a good thing a thing that actually we shouldn't wish away necessarily what's your feeling about kind of where that conversation has gone in, in people, culture? i think people are definitely less confident in the way that the new atheists in like 
2006, 2007. And also I meant to say that, you know, I was, I think I was either six or seven years old when the God Delusion came out. So when you were asking me about sort of how new atheism has changed the landscape. <laughs> you weren't that it, concerned I'm, I'm, I'm not really the... Um, more into power rangers at the, that point. The authority, yeah. yeah. Um, although I guess normally I would have been a Catholic at that point. So <laughs> maybe there's, there's that. Um, but in terms of, uh, at that time, you, you hear really confident um, portrayals of religion as this horribly evil force. I think today people might still think that religion is bad and responsible for a lot of evil, but not as confidently perhaps. And also there's just been too much discussion and debate making it obvious that somebody who just says religion is bad just doesn't have the, the necessary nuance to be meaningfully talking on the subject. Enough people have responded and say, look, clearly this can't just be... Like I said earlier about politics being bad, it, it, I think that's how it strikes people now. It's mm. almost naive to say something so broad. But people still think that many forms of religious belief and mm. re religious thinking, that's faith-based thinking, is still bad. But I think this idea of them seeing it as like a good thing or, or something like that can, can have a lot to do with the fact that people like to have, or, or common enemies, as it were, bring people together. And so we talked in our podcast episode about Peter Boghossian, a big sort of atheist guy, you know, certainly not a Christian by any standards, but when he starts, you know, railing against woke culture and realizes that Christians don't like that too, they're friends now, you know, now he's actually, oh, maybe this Christianity thing's got something going for it. Douglas Murray might think, you know, I'm an atheist and Christianity is a is a is a incorrect and homophobic religion or something. But when Douglas Murray becomes preoccupied with thinking about Islam and Islamic uh, terrorism and fundamentalism, and he thinks, well, one of the ways to stop people from being Islamic terrorists is for them to be Christians. Yeah, maybe I quite like this sort of Christian culture thing, you know. And so it's, in many ways, I think it's people discovering that they have a uh, a common cause mm. with something like. You, it's hard to say religion, but something like Christianity yeah. or with Islam, because it happens with Islam too. Mm. A lot of people, mm. like uh, young people, are being attracted to it, I think, because uh, that there's sort of a, a culture around Islam giving uh, young men in particular feelings of responsibility and dignity and standing up for yourself and this kind of thing. And so you're seeing people become a bit attracted to Islam. And even if they don't become Muslims, it's just sort of culturally you find yeah. that they that they'll use some of the some of the the, the religious language or, or maybe you know you find that they won't be eating pork or something even though mm. they're not really religiously mm. muslim um because there's something about the culture that appeals to them i think that's basically what's going yeah. on yeah at a personal level um you don't believe in god as you've made clear at the beginning of the interview has you know as you have, though, obviously engaged at a far deeper level, you know, you did a whole theology and philosophy degree. Uh, you've taken a lot of time to look into these things. You've lived with Christians. You've you've really tried to understand and engage and see whether this could be true. Has has the dial moved at all? Even even if it's own, even just in terms of, I don't think it's quite as uh, unlikely as I used to think that mm. God exists. Is has there been any movement whatsoever on your well? It's kind of hard to say because it's difficult to remember exactly where my where my where my mind was, you know, uh, at any particular point in the past. Uh, there's a there's this opening statement to a debate with Jonathan McClatchy, which I re-uploaded as a standalone video called "This Is Why I Don't Believe in God." And mm. um, in the center, I, I I talk about the fact that I've tried all of these things, that I've got my degree, that I live with Christians, that I did all kinds of things, and then I say that there was nothing. Um, that, that absolutely nothing, I've experienced nothing after all of this effort 
that speaks to the existence of a god in the universe and i remember thinking at the time like this is true in a sense and not in another experientially which is kind of i'm talking about the problem of divine hiddenness in that particular Mm. speech and have i ever like experienced something that speaks to god's existence i i can't honestly say that i have you know i've had like weird experiences Mm. and you know moments that every human has moments that they can't quite describe um but i wasn't like oh this you know this has to be god the the light Um, bulb didn't come on you know what i mean yeah Yeah. i mean i i remember thinking when sometimes like if i'm like yeah like i'm in a sort of half dreaming state and i feel something weird and and i think to myself oh was that was that something a bit religious like there's there's a sense (laughs) in which i uh, that kind of speaks to the existence of god considering it so I i was a little bit like is it true like nothing like nothing in terms of the experience, I think probably, but in terms of arguments, like I, I think that I, I, the arguments I consider them more tenable now than I did before, and I think that they are uh, that there are more of them that are essentially you know successful uh, at, at moving the dial, uh, and so in, in the intellectual space, yeah, I think I, I take uh, religion or, or like theism, I should say, much more seriously than I did before. Still not convinced, but I would say that the dial has moved in that sense that I take it much more seriously and think that there's some good arguments in favor of that. So in that clip where I say nothing, you know, nothing, never have I like I'm talking experientially there in terms of yes. argument. I think it's a, a slightly well, different, different story. It, do you feel like it would be an experience that would have to be there? Yeah. Because when I asked Douglas Murray this question, he said, I'd have to hear a voice. Yeah, it'd have to be something like that. I think I'm not sure what it would be. But something like that. Um, I mean, I also take more seriously now the the sort of story and narrative of of um, of, of religion, mm. Christianity in in particular, the the figure of Jesus. You know, it, it's sort of easy to to make to make videos or to make criticisms of Jesus being this like stupid or immoral figure. But like really taking the time to sort of look at the figure of Jesus through the eyes of a Christian. What what do Christian what is it that Jesus mm. does for Christians? Mm. Like I take that a lot more seriously too and realise that a lot of the most moving parts of the gospel uh, are the experiential moments where the penny drops for somebody, when somebody is healed, when somebody sees somebody else being healed, this kind of thing. It's it's those moments that have the most weight mm. and also the moments that make people convert. I mean the disciples that follow Jesus often do so because they see him perform a miracle. They, they experience something. Mm. They experience something that they can't explain, and they say, okay, Lord, I'm going to follow you. Um, famously, Doubting Thomas has to sort of have the experience of, of touching the wound before he says, you know, um, my Lord and my God. I, I think it's to be expected that the thing that's going to convince somebody to start following any religion or a person like Jesus is probably going to be experiential. I think that's no less true for me than anybody else. Could you put your finger on what that might need to look like in your life if it were to ever happen? I, I, I often hear people describe that they just suddenly feel the presence of love, that they just suddenly somehow recognize that they're unconditionally loved. I mean, obviously, you know, I spend time with friends and family and I think, oh, that's really nice. You know, I feel like mm. they love me. But I, you hear this description of even just fleetingly somebody mm. feeling an unconditional love. Um, that's quite vague. <laughs> but... I, I, I mean, I'm not asking for too much. I'm not sort of asking yeah. for spell it out in the sky yeah. kind of thing. But something like that, I think, would be quite powerful, right. especially if it came at you know, the end of a long reflection on yeah. the Gospels or I'd been sort of having a religious debate or we'd have this conversation. You know, if, if I left this room and suddenly I just, just felt almost like, mm. like I was high 
mm. for a minute inexplicably and it was distinctly this feeling of like gosh i'm i'm loved unconditionally by someone or something that would be the kind of thing that i think would move the dial i don't okay. know if it'd be enough to make me you know become religious there and then, can, but that's the always, kind of yeah. thing i think i'm talking about the problem is i suppose you can always if you're so inclined find a an explanation for that that yes. doesn't have to be religious that's right. but um but as you say, there's there's always a lot going on, I suppose. Mm. Uh, but that's what I'd want to resist people. as well. It's like that's that's why it's difficult to answer the question because I wouldn't want to just like brush off any experience yeah, that isn't hundred percent sure. definitely yeah, God as, yeah. as not at least you yeah. know, counting in yeah. favour, as you said, yeah. moving the dial. Just final question. Do you feel like there's any merit in my thesis? You don't have to agree with the book. You can be as critical as you like of it, but that we may be due for people starting to take God seriously again in our culture at an intellectual, cultural, kind of sociological level? Well, those are three different questions. I think intellectually, maybe not. I'm a bit more pessimistic about the idea than you are, I think, that people are just going to start believing in God again, that the arguments are suddenly going to start working for people. Right. I just don't see that happening. Culturally, hugely, hugely. It's, it's already happening. Uh, it's happening with Christianity across the world. It's happening with Islam in this country is growing quite quickly and people are becoming attracted to it and like i said before i think this has got a lot to do with culture more than the sort of the intellectual arguments i think that a young person who decides that they want to convert to islam in this country uh is as much you know motivated by a feeling of cultural belonging mm. and identity. perhaps more so identity than they are by some like intellectual analytical argument that mm. the Quran is the word of God or something, you know what I mean? So I, I think it's, it's possible that it's going to happen and it's probably going to be due to the meaning crisis and the chasm of meaning left by new atheism, as you might describe it. Uh, but it's not going to be an intellectual rebirth, in my view, but a, a, a cultural, um, spiritual one, if you like. Super interesting chatting with you. Thank you. And, and all the best as you continue your journey having interesting conversations and tracing, you know, where these conversations go in the future. Anytime. Thanks, Justin. Today's show was a bonus interview with Alex O'Connor. Links to his YouTube channel and Within Reason podcast are with today's show notes. We'll be diving back into our documentary, The Surprising Rebirth of Belief in God, next week as we open up the second act of our series, The New Conversation on God, by examining the Jordan Peterson phenomenon. But you can listen to it right now when you support this podcast on Patreon. Check the show notes for the link. This podcast series is also a book. Read the first chapter for free when you join my newsletter at justinbriley.com, where you can also order the book or even get a signed copy. Today's episode was a production of Think Faith in partnership with Genexis and with support from the Jerusalem Trust and Christian Evidence Society. As ever, please do subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us too. It really helps others to discover this new documentary series. And just a final reminder, you can get the next episode right now, a whole week early, when you support at justinbriley.com. The link is with today's show. See you next time. 
Thanks for listening. Just before I let you go, I had this lovely review from Chrissy saying, so good. I've literally consumed this podcast in three days. I've sent it to all my friends from various backgrounds. I pray you guys continue the amazing work and keep those episodes coming. Leaving a review like Chrissy really helps others to discover the show. But if you'd really like to help me keep those episodes coming, why not consider supporting the show or buying the book that this podcast is based on? The links are with today's show or visit justinbriley.com. See you at the next episode.